Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports. The local sports, local leader. sports leader. Burns and Gambo. The 4 o'clock reset. Yeah. Brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. Yeah, busy, busy day here on Arizona Sports. We knew it was going to be exactly that going in, and it has delivered. Kevin Durant, press conference. Jonathan Gannon, press conference. Gambo, I was going to start this 4 o'clock reset with KD and the Suns. I'm going to flip it and start with the Cardinals because we just got this tweet that came down three minutes ago from Josina Anderson who tweeted out, I'm told the Cardinals informed defensive coordinator Vance Joseph today they intend to release him from his contract according yeah. to a source. It, 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 it was always going to be that way. You know, they got clean slate. Like I'd be, I'd be, I would have been so surprised if they kept – it's not because Vance isn't a good guy or it's a, Vance isn't a good coach. It's just Jonathan Gannon, he, he needs a fresh start. He needs a clean slate. He doesn't need old coaches and, um, you know, guys that have been here. He needs His voice needs to be the, the, the preeminent voice in that room. And these players have listened to Vance Joseph for a few years now. So you just, as much as we like Vance, it's just, it's not a good start for Gannon if he would have kept Yep, him. and it's no disrespect to Vance and it's no disrespect to him as a coach or a man. I, I agree 100%. It's just, it's the move that had to be made and now we'll see where he ends up. There have been reports he might interview in Denver. There have been reports he might interview with Philly, ironically, perhaps replacing Jonathan Gannon as defensive coordinator. This morning, Gannon got introduced uh, to the local media and to the fan base as the new head coach of the Cardinals. Player accountability is simply this. you got to define what winning behavior is and hold people to that standard. He said what every player will need to do to play for him. Everybody that we bring in here or that is here or that will be a Cardinal will have elite football character because you will not hit your ceiling if you don't have that. And he talked about his pillars for building the Cardinals. Adaptable, violent, explosive, and we're going to be smart. That's good. I like the violent part. We'll talk about that a lot. But, you know, smart, too. I mean, you know, you, we don't want a team that's taking stupid penalties and putting us in second and 20 situations. So that's going to be a big part of it as well. Adaptable, violent, explosive, and smart. That is the mantra now for the new coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, there's more news from the Cardinals. According to Ian Rappaport, the Cards have requested to interview Browns quarterbacks coach Drew Petzing for their offensive coordinator job on Gannon, he is considered a strong candidate. That's not the only one. Commanders wide receiver coach Drew Terrell, Gamble pointed out astutely earlier, is actually a Valley guy. He has been requested by the Cardinals to talk about the offensive coordinator's job. He's 31, and according to Rappaport, he's highly thought of in NFL circles. And there is one more. The Cardinals requested an interview with Saints running backs coach Joel Thomas for their offensive coordinator job. Those three, Petzing is the one whose name has been out there for the last couple days. It seems like it's his to lose, but we'll see what the other two do. Well, Petzing was the guy that before they even hired Gannon, it was like, this is the guy they're going to bring. He's the current quarterback's coach with the Browns. He interviewed for the same role with the Raiders a year ago. Then he got promoted in-house from tight ends coach to quarterback's coach. And, you know, there's 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 a familiarity there. So it could be the guy that he goes after. But obviously he's going to interview a few different. There's some rules required as well that you've got to do.
do interviews. So, But that's the guy we've always kind of thought he was going to hire. All right, Kevin Durant's introductory press conference today as well. I truly don't think I deserve all this because I know I've done a lot of good things in basketball, but I haven't done them yet in the Suns jersey. I'm looking forward to doing it. So I appreciate the warm welcome, but I got more work to do. He was introduced to the Valley. He referenced Devin and Monty and James as big reasons why he wanted to come here. But then he gave out one that just came out of left field. The team that didn't make the playoffs that were like 45 and 37, I think, with the Twins and P.J. Tucker. I think that was one of the teams that really sold me on, like, all right, this is a destination to come play. This is a place that, you know, they really get behind their team. He's talking about the 2013-2014 Phoenix Suns with Jeff Hornacek. Yeah. He mentioned Twins. I thought he was talking about Cam and McHale. He was talking about Markeith and Marcus. Yeah. Now, that was a really good Oklahoma City team he was on that year um, with him in Westbrook. And uh, it was fascinating because the Suns actually had a game where they here where they beat him. And Gerald Green went off and had a great game. And I think the two Morris brothers played well. And uh, Goran Dragic. So that's a, that, that, that was his first you know memory of like, hey, this is Phoenix team is pretty good. The crowd's great. You go back to the Hornacek years. The Suns take on the Clippers tonight. It's the last game before the All-Star break. KD's not going to play. Terrence Ross is expected to suit up for the first time. Tip-off is at 8 o'clock on the Arizona Sports app at 98.7. And also news coming from the Phoenix Suns, reported today by ESPN, and Gambo's got the memo and the email to back it up. Former Suns owner Robert Sarver is giving a $20,000 individual bonus to many of the team's full-time employees and is also donating $5 million to the team's charity. Yeah, Vince Barada does not get any of that, my understanding, but, you know, to get that honestly, out Honestly, that was my first reaction was drinks on Vinny. That was my very first reaction. Lunch on Vince Barada! Drinks on Vince Barada, but he's not a full-time employee, so apparently he doesn't qualify. No, he, he's not. I actually was able to obtain the email that was sent out by Matt Ishbia to the employees. I actually put that on my Twitter page, so it is on there right now, the, the entire email that was sent out from Matt Ishbia talking about the Robert Sarver and Penny and the book bonus that, uh, that they were giving to all of the full-time employees on their way out. Yeah, so a, an incredible gesture on his way out the door. Speaking of incredible, let's talk about Mikel Bridges last night. Bridges is open. Bridges. Bridges is not human. Shot clock winding down. Forty-five points, a career high last night. He went off, Gambo. Yeah, and the, the headlines in one of the papers, the New York Post, was Mikhail Bridges' career night offers Nets a ray of hope in a win over the Heat. It says, for the first time since the trade deadline last Thursday, it appears the Nets may have a new star. They love him. They call him a star. Like, uh, he, you know, he, he's setting the bar really high with the way he's playing right now. Yeah. So, you know, in a way, I kind of feel for him. But 17 out of 24 from the floor, 7 out of 10 in the fourth quarter. He had 17 points in the fourth quarter. The Nets ran away from Miami. Jimmy Butler, bam, out of bio. Bridges was the best player on the court. He was scoring from everywhere. So really, really happy. And Cam, he didn't shoot the ball as well, but he chipped in with, I believe it was 18 points as well. So the Twins, those Twins doing a good job for the Brooklyn Nets. After the game, he gave his jersey to his mom. All that, Mikel. Such a
a sweet kid. Boston Celtics announced today Joe Mazzula has officially been named the team's full-time head coach, replacing Ime Odoka. He also got a contract extension because of that. Then one other note from the NBA, the Cavs are planning to buy out Kevin Love. Reportedly, the Miami Heat are the destination. I can't imagine the Suns would have interest given the state of their roster, but it is a very interesting name out there. Which name was it? Kevin Love. Yeah, I, I, I tried to check on that just to kind of see, and I haven't got any word yet. Remember, this is the last game, this Clippers game tonight, before they have to make a decision on Ish. Now, there's familiarity with James and Kevin Love from the days in Cleveland, and he's you know he's a guy that could play some a little bit of five, can't really play the four anymore, because um, he can't guard those guys, but he could shoot the ball a little bit. But I, you know, I, I don't know. I think. I got to be honest. With you, I think I'd rather have Ish. Yeah, I, I think the one skill that he brings, and Kellen was talking about this earlier, not on our air, but just in general, is as a connector. You know, he's such a good. He just understands the game yeah. and where the ball needs to go. He'd be great in that regard. But I just don't think that that's going to be what's going to move the needle for the Suns. We'll see. Also on the buyout market, according to some initial reports, tonight's opponent, the Clippers, might be on the verge of adding Russell Westbrook when it's all said and done or at least they're in the, the the process of having a conversation with Russell Westbrook about him perhaps joining the Clippers down the well, stretch. Well, I know for a fact that they went really hard after Mike Conley and weren't able to get him. But really? that was the guy that they really wanted was Mike Conley. Weren't able to get him, so it would make them sense that they would go after Westbrook. All right, real quick, ASU men's basketball back in action tonight. They're hosting Colorado at 6. You can hear it on the Arizona Sports app and ESPN 620. Just about every game from here on out feels like a must-win for Bobby Hurley and the Sun Devils. Gambo's favorite. The eighth-ranked U of A Wildcats men's basketball. They take on Utah tonight. They're seventeen and nine on the season. That game starts at eight o'clock. Yeah, they had that bad loss to Stanford. I think it knocked them maybe down to a three seed. That was you know the UCLA's got actually better. U of A's got five really good wins, um, but their losses, two of the losses against against uh, in conference are against teams that aren't even going to challenge to make the tournament. So you know they got a few losses that aren't good losses. Where UCLA doesn't really have those losses. So I think right now UCLA would be a two seed, and I think Arizona would be a three seed. And then again, real quick, because I know both being baseball fans, Tim McCarver, all-star catcher oh, and Hall man. of Fame broadcaster, passed away today. He was 81 years old. I, I loved him. Loved I, him. I, he, to me, he was one of the most insightful, naturally gifted broadcasters I've ever heard in my life. He was great at talking about baseball in a way that made it understandable, but also made you feel like you were ten times smarter than you were before you heard him talk about it. He was terrific at his loved job. Him. I did. I loved him. It's a yeah, sad day for baseball. He was a great ambassador for the sport. Former player, former catcher, but a terrific ambassador for the sport of baseball. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Kevin Durant, while understanding the impact he brings to the Valley, still felt humble when first meeting the Phoenix faithful today. We'll talk about that in his introductory press conference next on Burns and Gambo. And Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That is us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. John Gambadero, Dave Burns on this. Um Historic Thursday afternoon. I mean, I think we can call it a historic Thursday afternoon. I think, I think Gambo, this is a day 
that will be long remembered here in the Valley for the double dose of press conferences that we got. A new Cardinals head coach in the morning, a new superstar Suns player in the afternoon. And I, I mean, it's just been that kind of a day around here, hasn't it? It has. I mean, it has. And, you know, there's a lot of high hopes. There's, there's hopes that Kevin Durant will, will lead the Phoenix Suns to a championship. There's hope that Jonathan Gannon will get the Cardinals back to the playoffs and respectability. And so right now, I mean, you know, before, you know, th- there's a much greater chance of Durant's success. We already know what Durant is. We don't know what Gannon is. But there's a lot of hope in the Valley today just with the Cardinals hiring a new coach and with Kevin Durant coming into town. So kind of a double whammy there. But, you know, both both the Cardinals and the Suns, get a lot of hope right now with what's happened today. Yeah, yeah. We'll spend, as we've been doing most of the day, we're we're pretty much just going back and forth between talking Suns and Cardinals because there's just so much to unpack with the two press conferences. This is kind of a Suns segment here. Kevin Durant's opening statement, and, and again, keep in mind, this is maybe the most unique press conference any of us in the business have ever seen. Fans were there. There were like 3,000 fans there. They all got T-shirts. The stage was set up on the court. Uh, so it's James Jones, Matt Ishbia, and, and Kevin Durant. Very unique, very different, and automatically, right out of the shoots, Kevin Durant's kind of looking around like, man, I don't know if I deserve this or not. Wow, wow. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um... I truly don't think I deserve all this because I, I know I've done a lot of good things in basketball, but I haven't done them yet in a Suns jersey, and I'm looking forward to doing it. So um, I want to go out there and do as most as I can and be the best that I can every day for you guys. So I appreciate the warm welcome, but I got more work to do. <laughs> And then every answer, there was a big cheer, questions that the fans didn't want to hear. They got booed. It was was such a unique (laughs) environment. It really was, man. I I think that... Listen, I thought you, you sort of – I like Kevin Durant. I think he was misunderstood for a while. But, I mean, I had a newfound respect to him, especially after that series against the Boston Celtics where his foot was on the line and made a bit of difference to them winning a championship or not. Um, he was very humble. I mean, I was very humble. Say, he is a guy – like, he knows he's one of the best players, but I don't know if I deserve this. He came across as, you know, as a very humble guy and haven't accomplished yet and going to get to work and things like that. I think he understands that there is a – tremendous amount of pressure on him now you know to deliver this championship to the Phoenix Suns I don't know if it's legacy defining type of pressure it might be like it might be if he comes to Phoenix to join a team with DA and Booker and and Aiden and and they're not able to win it I I don't know if that could leave a bad mark on his legacy I mean I think it's solidified that he's one of the greatest players that's ever played the game and he's got championship rings and um, boy it would be so different if he's able to deliver a championship here because I think, you know, that would be, you know, so much more to, I think it would, than even the Golden State Championships. But if you fail, I mean, there's a little bit of a risk involved here, too. If you come here and you don't deliver that championship, I mean, not that it tarnishes your legacy, but it's a, it is a little bit of a black eye. He spoke of the pressure, and he, yes, he was very humble in that opening statement. Hey, I'm not sure if I deserve this or not. I haven't done anything here. But then he, he kind of showed some of that moxie and some of that verve as, as you know, why he's one of the best ever when he talked about the pressure that he has on him. L- listen to what he said. When, and I thought this was the quote of the day for the Kevin Durant press conference. I know it's always it's pressure because I'm one of the best players to ever play the game. So every time... So, 
So, so every time I step on the floor, people are going to expect me to do great things. And the team, I'm on to do great things. But I enjoy getting better as a player every day. I enjoy just waking up and getting to do this. So I don't ever say anything's a failure um, if, I get to, if I'm healthy enough to play the game of basketball. But I know what's on our backs, and we understand that. And we want to, we want to do the most. We want to get the most out of this opportunity. Here is why you're absolutely right about Golden State and Phoenix. And the reason why I think you're absolutely right is that Golden State had already won a title before he got there. Yep. And so by going to Golden State, Kevin Durant kind of comes off as, hey, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in there and get myself a ring because that's the best team in the NBA. They already got one. I'm going to go get And he got a couple, and he was NBA Finals MVP and all that stuff. This is different. The, the Phoenix Suns, I've said this so many times I've lost track. The Phoenix Suns are one of the best organizations in the history of the NBA, and they don't have a championship to show for it. They're one of the most winningest franchises in the history of the NBA, and they don't have a championship to show for it. There's a difference between Kevin Durant coming, even though he's joining an all-everything team that's got a bunch of badasses on it, it, it's different when you take that organization to their first ever NBA championship as opposed to joining one that's already won it and you're catching them in their prime. It's just a different vibe. It's a different atmosphere. It's a different feeling. And, and I think you're right. I, I, I don't know if it's legacy defining whether they succeed, whether he succeeds or fails. I don't know if that, if that defines who he is as an NBA player, but certainly around here, it's a very different vibe than it was when he joined Golden State a few years ago. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think he, I mean, again, I think if he delivers a championship here, I think he'll always be remembered as a son, even though he's coming to the Suns at 34 years old and he's been playing in this league for 14 years. I, I think he'll always be remembered as a son. Um, because he's gonna, you know, he's probably gonna okay. be here. Oh for- my god! I just thought of it. I just thought of it. You well, know who a, he is? A player? Yeah. You know who he is? Well, give me a, give me the sport. Let me guess. Major League Baseball. Kurt he- Schilling. Yep. He can be Kurt Schilling. He can be okay. Kurt comes here, wins one with the Arizona Diamondbacks, joins a pretty good team that's already formed. Comes in here, takes them over the. Now it was a little different because, like again, Golden State had already won one before he got there. But a lot of people define Kurt Schilling's career by what he did with the Red Sox, the bloody sock, the first World Series for the first time in forever. That kind of legacy might await Kevin Durant. I mean, Kurt Schilling is revered in Boston for what he did with that team. I know his legacy is complicated because of everything yes. else. Yes. But but if we just take the pure sports element of Kurt Schilling, okay, kind of leave the other stuff out, I think there's somewhat of a parallel to be drawn between what Kevin Durant could do here with the Suns and what Kurt Schilling did with a championship already in the bag, going to Boston and winning one there. It made him a Legend in that town when he did that. It, it did. It did, right? Because Pedro was there. And I mean, Roger Clemens was there before that and failed. And like nobody. I, I, I think Kurtz. Look, I, I'm friends with Kurt. So this his legacy is just different because he's a very controversial figure. Yes. Yes. You know, very controversial figure. So I don't think that he actually allowed people to love him. You know, where I think Durant that everybody, everybody wants to love Durant. Kurt was a hard guy to, he was almost like a hired gun where I don't know that uh, Kurt was a Kurt was a hired gun. He was he came here and he was a hired gun. Then he went to Boston and he was a hired gun. And I don't know that Kevin Durant coming here. And I understand what you're saying. And it's a, it, and it probably there are some comparisons, 
But I don't know that I look at Kevin Durant as a hired gun the way I, I thought Schilling was. Does that make any sense? No, it does. And again, like a lot of my comparisons, it's it's not perfect, right? I look at it and go, okay, they're not the same with this. They're not the same with that. And I certainly understand how complicated Kurt's legacy is. And I'm not trying to ignore that or pretend that that's not there. Or that's not part of the narrative. I'm just thinking about Kurt, already a World Series champion, but going to Boston, doing what he did there and, and having that kind of legendary status because of the bloody sock and the World Series and all that stuff. And that how Durant on a similar level has a similar chance to do something with an NBA franchise that it maybe isn't as storied as the Boston Red Sox and maybe their championship less streak isn't as revered as Boston's was. But make no mistake for anybody around here, the Phoenix Suns are our Boston Red Sox before they won the World Series. They are Chicago Cubs before they won the World Series. We've been waiting forever for this team to win a championship and they've come so close so many times with so many great teams. If Kevin Durant is the one who puts them over, it, it's it, it, that to me is kind of the comp with Kurt and Boston and what he did there. Like I say, it's not perfect. I'm sure lots of people will poke holes in it, but it just kind of popped into my mind as having some similarity to it right there. Yeah. Um, man, like I don't even know if Boston's going to invite him back for when they celebrate the World I know. Series. I, 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 but again, that's part of his complicated kind of right. legacy there. But, and I'm, I'm ignoring that, conveniently ignoring that. I'm not trying to ignore that. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone, your Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show brought to you by Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Much like Suns owner Matt Ishbia, the new Cardinals head coach has four pillars of his own. And man, they're good. That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, this show's flying by as we knew it would because we've just got so much stuff to talk about. Let's get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day, a Suns-related question, and then we're going to get more into the violence that Jonathan Gannon is seeking as the new coach of the Cardinals. Let's update that Twitter poll question first, though. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Take it away, Rubes. The Suns are currently fourth place in the Western Conference at 32 and 27. We're coming up on the All-Star break. They are nine games out of first place, one game behind third place. We're asking you guys where you think they're going to finish by the end of the season. Your options are the first seed, the second seed, the third seed, or the fourth seed and below. Third. They'll gonna finish. go with sixth. I mean, they didn't really do much at the trade deadline. They <laughs> failed their opportunities. To, I mean, they I traded McHale and Cam. What they get back? Some yeah. older guy yeah, like exactly. T.J. Warren. Just T.J. Warren. Just T.J. Warren. Yeah, Jeez. the buyout market. I mean, you know, it's just Trading been star young players for older guys that are broken down all the time. Up six or seven. No, I'm teasing. I, I think, I think third in my my philosophy is that with four back to backs coming up down the stretch, that I don't think they're gonna push it. I just don't think they're gonna push it. I would agree. Third, I think is where they end up. You guys are sitting in second place in our poll results, leading the way. The fans think that fifty-five point fifty point. 5% of them think they'll end up in second. 36.9% think they end up in third. 6.8% think they're going to end up in first, which they're nine games behind. 59 
<clears throat> excuse me, percent say fourth or below. It's funny to see people saying first. I mean, yet mathematically, sure. Realistically, yeah, they're not finishing first in the Western Conference, but we do appreciate the enthusiasm. This is Jonathan Gannon in a day of two massive announcements made here in the Valley. We're just kind of going back and forth between them. Jonathan Gannon talking about what the Cardinals will be under his leadership. This is what really caught Gambo's attention. We're going to be adaptable. We're going to be violent. We're going to be explosive. And we're going to be smart. And all three phases go into that. And we will maximize the talents of the players that we have. And that's how we're going to win games. And don't get it twisted. We're going to win games. The violence really stood out to you. Big shocker. What? <laughs> I like, uh, I like um, violence. <laughs> Right, right. But good like, find, Mitch. Good find. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's admit true. it, embrace it. It's okay. You know, we know I, what you mean. You know, we I, I embrace it. My 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 upbringing was just very difficult than your upbringing. Yes. So there wasn't a lot of you know, violence. Violence was just a natural part of our lives that we just lived with and accepted. Uh, um, I think the main thing to me when I when I hear that violence, you know, to me, what, what I'm envisioning is a team that can't win freaking home games, deciding to play physical football. Like if you're going to come in here and beat us, we're going to beat your ass. You're going to walk out of here with some bumps and bruises. It's not going to be easy. This has become a, a cakewalk for teams to come in here and and play the Cardinals and beat the Cardinals. I mean, you know, wasn't Bo- Buddha Baker sick and tired of losing at home? Right? Yeah. I mean, yep. remember that cut from oh, Buddha? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Sick and tired of losing home games. I mean, you've got to you've got to have a style of football that when teams come in here, you just want to you want to beat them physically, beat them on both sides of the ball to where they're quitting in the fourth quarter. They don't want to go home. It's tough to come here. We don't want to go to Arizona and play those guys. So you want that physical brand of football that you know that 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 annihilates teams, that wears teams down over the course of a game. By the fourth quarter, they're done. They don't want to play anymore. So you know, this is embarrassing. It's humiliating to lose all the home games the Cardinals have lost. Their fans have been humiliated. It's tough to be a season ticket holder, and every time you go to a game, they lose to home game. You're supposed to win home games. So when I hear violence, that I kind of portray it to that. I'm not thinking like I want to go, you know, go 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 take the helmet and hit somebody over the head with it. I want a physical football team yep. that is going to protect their, their their Red Sea, their home turf, and win games at home. He he later went on Wolf and Luke show talking about Jonathan Gannon, and he expanded on what he meant by playing with violence. Now, this was a really interesting answer, I thought. We haven't talked about this yet. Here it is. So, uh, you probably can't say all that uh, in a presser like that in that setting, but um, our guys, our guys, we have a very specific way that regrade violence on offense, defense, and special teams, and there are certain principles that our guys are going to and standards that our guys are going to have to play to if they want to be Arizona Cardinals, because you know, it, this is a violent physical game and I believe in being the more physical team is another way that helps you win football games so uh, we have a standardized process of how we do that that will be explained to everybody that puts on a jersey and they'll have to uphold that standard or they won't be here if only you had a violence grading scale when you were a kid growing up, Gambo, we'd never make fun of the grades that you got ever again. It'd be like straight A's across the board, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. But that is, a, okay, that's a really interesting way. I Seriously, I'm just teasing you. Um, but that is a really, like, like we're going to quantify violence. 
We're going to measure violence. We're going to grade. We've got a very specific system in which we kind of right. measure violence. Man, I would love to know more about that and how that, what exactly well, I mean, does that I, look I, like, I, right? I'll give you an example. Antonio Hamilton, you get an F for the game. You get an F. You had a chance to make a violent hit on a player who was still in bounds and you chose to let up. You get an F. That's your grade. You failed. Yeah. Yeah, like well, the, like there's, there it is. Like you can, like th- that's not going to be acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not going to be acceptable. Yep. And so it, go ahead. Good. I I think that that the grade scale is that. I mean, you players know you're getting graded on that stuff. You you're gonna get called out. Like you know you you can't you you can't be shy on a hit. You know, Patrick Peterson getting thrown around by Jared Goff. Right. He couldn't like that's an F. That's you've got to be phys- you got to be more physical than the other guy. You got to match his physicality and you got you can't not make the hit. So I think the grading scale is great. I actually really like it. I think that holds guys accountable. Right? Wouldn't you think that that grading scale would would hold guys accountable? I would think especially if it's being implemented by a new coach that you better be busting your butt to impress. Yes. I I would think that that would that that would absolutely hold guys accountable and, and that'd be the kind of thing that you're going to get called out in film. You're going to get called out when, you know, if it's if you're being talked about by your coaches or by your other players. Yeah, it's it's and look, let's call like it is. This team did not play with the requisite amount of physicality the last couple of years. They they that was not that was not what they were about. And so, while it might be shocking to hear Jonathan Gannon use the word violence, I think anybody who's a football fan kind of knows what he means. So like, we, we understand it's you don't need to play with violence, play with physicality, play with force, uh, make the other team feel you. That has not been the Cardinals' deal the last couple of years. Not at all. They no. have not been a very physical football team. No, and, and you're going to draft players that are going to fit that mold. You're going to yes. bring in players that are going to fit that mold that are going to set the tone uh, of physicality and so you, you know I, I, they, they clearly didn't have a lot of players that that played that way and, and and listen that's a reason why they've lost all these home games too they haven't made it they haven't made it difficult on teams to come in here and play at State Farm Stadium at all yep innings festival is back two-day music festival featuring Green Day and Weezer and Eddie Vedder and the offspring returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th head to the contest page at Arizona Sports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. What was it about the Suns that initially caught the attention of Kevin Durant? Was it seven seconds or less? Was it Devin Booker? Was it the bubble? You might never hear a reference more unique than what Kevin Durant cited next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back on this busy day. Earlier, of course, the start of our show, straight up 2 o'clock, we had the Kevin Durant press conference. And there were things we expected, things we didn't expect. It was a unique environment, to say the least, given that it was held in front of 3,000 fans and there were T-shirts and, you know, questions that were asked. There were cheers, there were boos. It was a very unique environment. (laughs) I mean, it really was. Like, Gambo, you and I combined, we've been doing this for probably 50 years combined i don't know if i've ever quite witnessed anything like that seen anything like i wasn't there neither were you um it was totally unlike any other press conference i'd ever heard i mean reporters from brooklyn getting booed because they were asking questions about brooklyn and they weren't talking about the suns it was but i don't know if there was anything more 
unexpected about today than the answer Kevin Durant gave to one of his questions. And and one of the questions that he had was basically about about the, the the team that kind of um over the years from Phoenix what's the one that stood out to him here's what he had to say the team that didn't make the playoffs that were like 45 and 37 i think with the twins and pj tucker i think that was one of the teams that really sold me on like all right this is a destination to come play this is a place that you know they really get behind their team of all the teams that kevin durant could have cited right. Right. jeff hornacek's first team the 48 wins phoenix Suns from 2014 with Marquis Morris and G- Gerald Green and Marcus Morris and Goran Dragic and like that team that like team? okay well you remember there was before this run this 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 run that's now on its third year that was the last good team. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, so there was no like you're that, absolutely that right. Was, that was the that, last good team the Suns right, had before that right. awful Yeah, stretch. what are you going to say? Like, you can't. How many years in a row? They win 20-something games. So if you go back to before the bubble, like from, 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 from take the, just from before the bubble, it was, that was the last good basketball team they had. Was that Jeff Hornacek team, Channing Fry? that, you know, that over-delivered. Like, nobody thought that team was going to be any good, and they, Played extremely well under Jeff Hornacek. They did, and that was... I actually remember that team very fondly. Um, Goran Dragic was all-NBA third team. It was he and Eric Bledsoe were a dynamic backcourt together. Uh, Gerald Green was sensational that season. Scored the basketball really well. That was the first year of Hornacek. That was the first year of Ryan McDonough. That was, if you remember right, a team that we kind of felt like was being designed to tank, right? Like they were trading most of their big names, most of their big guys. They were getting draft picks. They just weren't expected to be very competitive. And yet they just kept winning basketball games. They didn't seem to be able... They only finished two games out of a playoff spot. Um, And then you pointed out, you went back and looked at like the game by game, the the game in March when Kevin Durant and Westbrook and Oklahoma City came here and played and lost to that Phoenix Suns. Yep. That day must have made a hell of an impression on him for him to be able to cite that team all these years later as one of the ones that he thinks about, right? You know what I remember about that team too? I don't know if you're going to remember this. You might. There was somebody that predicted they wouldn't win one game in the against the Western Conference. Who was that? I Somebody predicted that, yeah, that. and Channing was that? Fry was pissed. Like Channing Fry reacted to that. I remember like, that? Yeah, you do remember it. Okay, good. My memory's not terrible. No, I don't. Remember, I don't remember predicted. who said it. I don't remember who said it, but I do remember Channing Fry on our show. Yeah. We interviewed him one on one, and he was pissed off about that man. Yes, because somebody predicted that the Suns would not win one game against another Western Conference team. They would go O for the West. That the only chance they had of winning basketball games was against a couple of Eastern Conference teams. That's how bad they thought that Phoenix Suns team was. <laughs> yeah, and, and then of course you know the, the next year they went out and got Isaiah Thomas, and that kind of you know it just messed up the vibe that that team had. And before you knew it, they were undoing all of it, and then they just plunged into this five six year stretch where they won twenty something games every single year. But to Durant spoke glowingly about that team. Now, of course, he spoke glowingly about this current version 
Griffin as well, talking about how the Suns have the tools to win a ring right now. We got uh, all the pieces um, to be successful. We got guys that experience what it's like to play in that final round. We got a champion already and this overseeing this. Monty's a champion as a coach. Um, so we got guys that have been there, and that's, that's half the battle, just knowing what it takes. And, uh, yeah, we got guys that can do pretty much everything on the floor. So we got to put it together. I'm looking forward to doing the work. And as you would expect, he talked glowingly about Devin Booker. He has a pure game. He can score from every area of the floor with efficiency. He's athletic, but he don't really show it a lot. But he can. Like last last game, he had two dunks. It surprised me out of nowhere. Even though I know he has that in his tool bag, but he's just such a quiet, efficient scorer, and he goes about his business on and off the court in just a mature manner. And um, I just wanted to be a part of be a part of it. I wanted to be a part of his journey and see, you know, how good he can get from here. And you know, he's just some, one of those players that um, I really admire. And people are gonna be doing classes on him once he's done playing. Like you can learn so much from watching his game. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> Glowing. Oh my God, right? Glowing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, I don't, what would you peg the, you know, we, we talked about this in a conversation we had the other day where Devin Booker at a young age talked about, I want to bring the superstars to me. Uh huh. And he did. And he did. He, <laughs> he did. did. He brought the superstars to him. And he, at the he, time when he said it, it was ridiculous. It was ludicrous. It was like eye-rolling, okay, yeah, whatever, Book. I mean, that, that was, I think that was the team that won 19 games, right? And, he, and after he said it, they'd beaten the Milwaukee Bucks, if I remember right. And he says, yeah, I want to bring the superstar team to me. And then as soon as he says it, they go on a 10-game losing streak. And they were, <laughs> like, they were like 4-24, and 24, and they ended up with a 19-win season. It's like, yeah, okay, Book, whatever. The superstar team's coming to you. The superstar team came. What Devin Booker and that? I mean, honestly, I, I'm not trying to make this about Book, but that to me is almost gamble like the takeaway that Devin Booker has evolved into such a star in this league. It's not about being on the cover of video games or whether you go to All Star games or you're All NBA, whatever. Man, Chris Paul behind the scenes worked it so he could get traded to play with Devin Booker. Kevin Durant worked behind the scenes so he could get traded to play with Devin Booker. I, I, that's I, that to me speaks more about the kid than just about anything else that could be said about him and what he's done in his time here. I I think it leads to another conversation that down the road, now that he's done that, there's nothing to say that when Paul's gone and Durant is gone, that because these guys are older, like they are older. Who's to say that when Devin Booker's 29, 30, 30, like that he can't attract more stars to want to play with them? Maybe, maybe this is the new norm as long as Devin Booker's wearing a Phoenix Suns uniform is that other star players are going to want to come play with him. It's so, it un- yeah, it's so funny that you mention that because you uh-huh. go look at the, t- at the players who could potentially be free agents when the Suns are basically done in terms of Chris Paul's contract and Kevin Durant's contract and even Aiton's contract. There's some dudes out there. And and maybe it's, it's looking way far down the road to even think about it. But to think about some of these stars that could be free agents, would they be attracted even then to come play with Phoenix and with Devin Booker? It's something that I think you you have to think about somewhere down the road. Not today, but somewhere down the road you have to think about something like that. I think it just goes to show like this run may end. This window may close. This one with Paul and Durant and, and Buck. 
look, but it does. There will be another. We've talked about window one, two. There's a window three, but it's too far in the future. We can't see it. We we, we can't look into that window. Yeah. But that is a window with Devin Booker in it, but no Chris Paul and Kevin Durant. There was window one. There was window two. Window three's there. There's a third window in this house. We just haven't gone into that room yet to look at it. <laughs> when we come back here on Burns and Gambo, back to the Arizona Cardinals. Jonathan Can- Gannon said that one of the big reasons he took the Cardinals' job was the man under center. He spoke glowingly about Kyler Murray. You'll hear what he had to say next on the Burns and Gambo Show.